So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. Yeah, I'm ready. Listen, I, this is a big moment for Not Your Mama's Therapy. Let's just say we're, we've been invited to the adults table. I, like, we're used to being the mutants on table nine. And we, Mm -hmm. John Kim was like, listen, guys, I'm going to throw you a lifeline. Mm. Come to my table, sit here. I don't know if you can stay, but just sit here for a minute. Uh, No, you're not staying. Listen, John... (laughs) did this either purely out of the, because he was put on the spot or, <laughs> or he was drinking again and just, you know, had a momentary lapse. <laughs> His lapse no is our game. It really is. <laughs> and before we start though, Sarah, let's just not pull any fucking punches about what we're really doing here. Are you ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> Because that's how we fucking start every show. That is, right? you're, listen, you're absolutely right. You're 1,000% right. Let's not be afraid uh, to tell us who's in the house. Not we, your mama's. Not your mama's therapy. We're here. We. This is a very special episode for us. Um, mm-hmm. John Kim, the angry therapist, is giving people a chance to use his platform to share their message. And that's why mm-hmm. we're here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, when you first told me about this opportunity, I was like, there's no fucking way. How am I going to make dick jokes? How am I going to? (laughs) You just did. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I was like, Lara, I'm going to have to tone it down. And you were like, absolutely not. (laughs) No, no, it's off brand for us to tone it down. It's like you said in the first episode, you're like, I want our listeners to wonder why our podcast was included in the therapy section. <laughs> right. Isn't that what we're, that's, that's what I, we're going for. It really is. <laughs> I, I, I record every episode with the one singular goal. And that goal is to make Ashley, your wife, hmm. fear that you're going to lose your license. <laughs> just not be invited places anymore. <laughs> Remember when she was afraid I wasn't going to be able to speak at the Low Country Mental Health because of one of our shows? That's that's what we're doing. Guess what? Yeah. You still did. You still did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pirates are actually here now. Oh, listen. Mm-hmm. We... I, I love it. I love it. We, you know, we were here... We're doing this. We're going to talk about jealousy today, All right. which I'm really excited for mm-hmm. um, because jealousy is something that I feel deep inside of me, mm-hmm. particularly when I look at your wife and how hot she is. But I get that a lot. I get like, people are jealous of me. They're like, how did you end up with her is frankly what they do. Yeah. I see their jealousy. Yeah. They're like, really? I don't know how you could it. Right. Well, I always say she's it's low self-esteem. That's why she picked me. She, <laughs> she has low self-esteem. All the that trauma. can't be it. No. That can't be it. No, it's not. But, you know, look, I, this is, if you know, John doesn't understand, this is the preamble to all of our shows. Our, our producer, Lindsay, is constantly like, okay, I have oh, to fast her. forward and clip out the seven minutes of Wee's laughing. Yes, uh, 1,000%. To get to the meat of it. But don't clip out at all because it don't does add a little out. color and flavor to our show. Listen, <laughs> I just like to think people are laughing with us for seven minutes. Yeah. And then they get we tired. We know Norway just... is. 
you know what? That's right. Norway is laughing along with us. (laughs) The the Norwegians are loving us. I think that's so great. We're just international podcasters now. But anyway, so yeah, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about jealousy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause there's, there's different kinds of jealousy, right? I'm sure you see it. I'm sure you see it all the time where it's like, (laughs) you know, on the one hand, there's, there's some good jealousy out there and then, but, but it can get real toxic real fast. And I, I really want to like explore what that line is like where you are like, you know, it's okay if, you know, people think your wife is a smoke show. They yeah, should. That one feels, you that know? One feels fine to me. I'm <laughs> fine. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me go. They just apparently, yeah. He's got and something. Then we don't know what it is. Right. And then there's the jealousy where it's like, you can't go out mm-hmm. because I don't want people to see you, you know, well, or things like that's that. A, that's a fair point. That's, and that is actually seriously the line where it becomes particularly toxic and where um, we start seeing other uh, symptomatic pieces that come up that, that sort of need to be uh, dealt with. And we can talk about jealousy within romantic relationships. We can also talk about jealousy and uh, all the other forms of relationship, friendships, pe- people within our industries, um, sure. people at work. Right. So we, it does, the green eye actually does raise its, its head in so many areas of our lives. Um, but you know, when we're talking about jealousy within a romantic relationship that can actually be somewhat helpful, it's when it's mild and, you know, fairly non-recurrent. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's something that we can feel it's a, it's a momentary pang. Um, and it often comes, you know, with, you you see your partner perhaps getting noticed by someone Mm. else. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I, you see that look at now I can be, I'm going to share. Tell me more. Yeah. So (laughs) no, actually it happens with me. Uh, Okay. Like it happens, actually happens. No, it happens for Ash. She's the one who tends to get a little more jealous. Really? Yeah, it's true. Oddly enough. Does she it, own a mirror? Like, what is she? I know. And look at this. This space is like the Isle of Misfit Toys. Right? This nose has lived on one side of my face from one year to the next. And How do you walk around as Ashley and feel jealous of anything? Well, How? she does. And I can tell you that there are times when I receive the benefits of that. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Listen, I get her fired up. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is, there is a vaginal claiming that has to happen. (laughs) Well, yes. Right. She's essentially peeing on my tree. Um, She's going to kill me for this one, by the way. She's going to kill us us both. You're dead too. We're both getting divorced. Oh, totally. (laughs) From Ash. Yeah, no, but like this is this is an example of just that, that 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 um, that type of you know if we will claim it sort of is is good jealousy. It sort of lights those fires and it keeps that tension. Esther Perel and her book um, Mating in Captivity, sort of the old tome of of, um, of of sexual longevity within a relationship. She talks about this very thing. And I talk about it in my book as well. And I cite her where I talk about familiarity, right? We, we all can, if we're going to be in relationships that span the course of a, uh, many, many years, we can become victims of familiarity. And what that is, is it's this thing that we rush to because familiarity gives us safety. We know this person, we kind of lock them down and we don't have that fear of abandonment so much anymore. We get a few kids and maybe a mortgage and a car payment. And we have the vestiges of familiarity and it's this thing that we rush to, but it's also this thing that can be the killer of so much sexual tension and, mm. um, uh, curiosity within a relationship. Mm. It kind of gets to this place of been there, done that. And mm-hmm. a lot of couples in my practice and a lot of couples that I see come running in after the dopamine blast of new love is over, familiarity can set in 
And we do, we get that sort of been there, done that. And one of the things that Perel talks about in her book is essentially she, I don't know if she would put it this way, but what I, when I read it, it was like, oh, you're sort of prescribing a little positive jealousy, mm-hmm. which is she, she, she cites um, different cultures, uh, cultures in Europe, like in France and in Spain, um, where, uh, um, just make sure I have my, do not disturb on, sorry. Um, in cultures in, in France and in Spain, um, that, uh, that will actually, um, sorry, cultures in France and in Spain, which will actually uh, sort of the culture sort of his cultural approval for there to be another, a third or a fourth. Mm. So your partner knows that you have somebody kind of waiting in the wings, um, Mm. a lover. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's, sometimes it's open relationships. Sometimes it's don't ask, don't tell, but they Mm. have this, this, um, other person in, in, and both kind of know about it. And Mm. what that does in Perel's estimation is it creates a level of tension that keeps this tension that gets lost in, in, in the, in the familiar. Um, and so this is one of the things that she will, uh, prescribe almost that, that this, hmm. this is how you can keep sexual tension. Any thoughts on hmm. that? Um, it, there'd be a lot of dead people in my relationship. I mean, that's <laughs> so <laughs> oh, not, not someone for in you. the wings. Yeah, you don't got wings no more, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> this is over. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, it's. I can see and, and, you know, there's, it's interesting because, you know, I have polyamorous friends Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's a very healthy system for them. Mm -hmm. And then there's me Mm -hmm. where Corey is like a woman talked to me at work and I told her that my wife will kill her if she keeps doing that. (laughs) Really? So you, you feel that like, that's, that's a thing for you. Like you get a little territorial. I mean, I, I do get territorial and I do, I absolutely do get jealous. It's not quite that bad, but like, I, you know, I also have a, have a husband who has a a low opinion of himself. And so he is wildly uncomfortable when he's flirted with by someone other than me. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like when it happens, he usually comes to me. Like I'm this Catholic priest in the confessional and he's like, babe, something happened at work today. Or (laughs) this girl was talking to me and I didn't know what she was doing. (laughs) Babe, she was flirting with you. And this is when, this is when you start fucking with him because you know how uncomfortable he is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. See, it's like, you're right there with me. (laughs) I'm just going to move in. Just run a feed all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, he, I mean, I absolutely do fuck with him, but you know, I know that he has experienced similar where it's like, you know, someone at the gym or something like that is talking to me and, mm-hmm. and I'll say something. Um, but what's sweet about the way he handles it is he's like, babe, see, look at you. That's awesome. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I'm toxic. <laughs> well, you're, you're borderline toxic for sure. Like, you're getting, so, yeah. Listen, I am tickling the taint of toxicity when it comes <laughs> to <laughs> control and possessiveness. <laughs> right. Well, how are, how are you, how are you with Ashley? Like when, I mean, I'm sure she gets looked at all the time. She does. And so I kind of, I've often, often had to stupid, but I've often had to hearken to that song when you're in love with a beautiful woman. It's an old one, but it's a good one. And it sort of outlines like, yeah, man, you got to be prepared for that. You have to prepare your nervous system for, um, people are going to look and, you know, more than anything, I'm just concerned about her safety and I'm concerned about how particular men can be. And you know, I've always sort of been that way with women. I, my mom was a single mom and I remember the first 
time Ashley ever experienced like how protective I can be. She was dancing in the bar at Brother Jimmy's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what the girls did at our bar that we mm-hmm. worked at. And she was pouring shots into people's mouths and it was crazy honky tonk place. And this guy started rubbing her leg. Mm-hmm. And then this other arm came from betwixt her feet from behind the bar and grabbed this guy by the arm and put a finger in his face and said, you can fucking look, but you can't touch. And that finger belonged to me. I I believe you. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And then we were in, we were in brother Jimmy's again and she had just started managing and she was standing outside the bar and the New York Yankees were in there celebrating a world series when they hadn't won it yet, but they were on their way to winning it. It I forget what year this was, but it was, it was a bar that was not uncommon for people to come in. And there she was, she's sort of fresh off the boat, sort of corn cob from Texas in New York Mm -hmm. city. And this guy's touching her and I can see the visible discomfort in her face. Now Mm -hmm. we were sort of together, but we were more friends, but I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little jealous. And, and so I saw the discomfort in her face. And so I walked directly over to them and he had his hands like on her hips Mm -hmm. and I stared right in his face and spoke to her, which was Mm. effective. I said, no one gets to fucking touch you that you don't want fucking touching you. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the guy immediately let, let her go and walked away. And, you know, so that was certainly energized by a level of jealousy that I had. Like you're touching this girl that I'm pretty into. Right. Right. Um, it's like, it's the two like strong pillars of your personality, pr- protectiveness and a, and mm-hmm. a bit of jealousy coming together and, and working, which I want to do a quick um, little like tangent. Uh, Lair and Ashley have um, an episode together where they talk about trauma um, mm-hmm. on the Angry Therapist podcast as well. So definitely listen to that one because I think you know, trauma and jealousy aren't all that disconnected when you start mm-hmm. getting into like some mm-hmm. of the, some of the things that people experience and, you know, mm-hmm. your, your, the story you just said, where it's like, I know Ashley's trauma. I know I want to keep her safe. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm, I'm moving in that direction with my life to make sure that she can feel that way. feel safe while also making sure this guy knows yeah, I was definitely you know? flexing. I was flexing on yeah. the Yankee, which was, you know, right after a World Series win. That's balling right there. Listen, I, I'm i not going to lie. When you told me that story, I felt a little tingle downstairs. It was good. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. So um, when you're, mm-hmm. when you're like in the office with, with your clients and, is is there a time where you ever like try to prescribe a little jealousy or encourage a little jealousy or do you more often see the toxic side of things where you're trying to repair whatever is causing that yeah. toxicity you know i'll often see the the not not maybe not toxic i mean that does come in but you'll see that that control or possessiveness comes in that's really not healthy for anybody and what that's linked to is your self-esteem. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I remember when I was a kid, it was a, one of my first real girlfriends. Um, I had gone to college and she stayed back at high school and she was a year younger than I. And she started dating this other dude. And dude, I mean, it just fucking destroyed me. And I was mm-hmm. as jealous as anybody could possibly be. And I remember my mother came in, she sat down next to me and she said, I'm going to tell you something. People are going to do what they're going to do and they're not going to do what they're not going to do. And no amount of yelling and screaming is going to, is going to stop that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was about that homespun wisdom that really landed on me, but I sort of took mm-hmm. that and ran and kind of realized that and, and then started working on my self-esteem. And I noticed mm-hmm. that as my self-esteem got better and better, it doesn't eradicate all jealousy. Um, sure. But, you know, I too was in that sort of young male um, possessive, controlling, perhaps, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, type of, of, of jealousy that, 
it wasn't particularly helpful for anybody. Um, so, uh, you know, really working on myself and again, my self-esteem was the thing that kind of pulled me out of that. So that's what I try to help my clients with is mm -hmm. that if, um, if a client is experiencing, uh, jealousy that seems unhelpful, um, mm -hmm. yes, sure. If there's an opportunity to say, Hey, you know, let's, let's, maybe we can kind of corral that over into eradicating some of the familiarity that's happened in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. But by and large, you know, they might not be able to handle that particular slippery slope. And sure. I want to help them kind of deal with the bordering on toxic, not great jealousy that's now beginning to creep into their minds and into their relationship. Because mm -hmm. very quickly, when someone hears that I'm jealous and they become controlling, well, you don't trust me. Right. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I see it happening in, 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 uh, and in, in my client population now, it is an opportunity for me as a therapist to dig a little bit deeper into their personal work. Because mm -hmm. when you really drill, drill down below the waterline, I think we quickly get to some of the things that I covered in the book. Um, the book is called The Practice, the Practice of, Love. of Love. Break old patterns, um, rebuild trust, create a connection mm -hmm. that lasts. Um, get the audiobook. <laughs> Yeah. In that, trust me, in that, in that book, I talk about, am I safe? Am I loved? Am I enough? And do I matter? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when jealousy sort of rings in that place that goes beyond like the thing that can be kind of helpful and kind of fun that we were talking about earlier in the podcast, mm -hmm. it does tend to hit into one of these things. Like, you know, yeah. if you are having, if someone's coming in and hitting on you at the gym, as an example, the, the reaction could very easily be, well, you know, I'm not particularly safe in the world. I've been abandoned um, sure. before, or I've been cheated on and, and I'm not loved. Or if I was enough, you wouldn't have. And if I mattered, mm -hmm. as, as, as I like to say, um, mm -hmm. so it, it sort of bumps into these pieces for me. I think that's such a good point. Um, and, and, a, and a big takeaway from this conversation is, you know, when you're, when you're getting to those toxic places of jealousy, Mm -hmm. It's really more about you and mm -hmm. like where, where you were hurt. You know, right. when I, um, when Corey and I first started dating, you know, as much as I joke about how I am now, I wasn't always like, I was legitimately toxic. I was mm -hmm. legitimately toxic. I had been in a terrible relationship where it was, it was abusive left and right. Um, Corey and I started dating, you know, after that relationship ended and I had learned a lot of bad behaviors mm -hmm. during that relationship, I'd also learned a lot of really bad behaviors during my childhood with a dad who had toxic jealousy issues. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, I remember stories of like him, my, my dad, him, like, checking the house after a delivery to make sure the guy wasn't hiding in the closet or under the bed, like just ridiculous shit. Oh my God. Um, yeah, that's it. That's like, delu that's boring into delusional. Yeah. It's, it was wild. But Having said that, I have seen your mother. <laughs> Dude, you don't got to fucking tell me. <laughs> Listen, when we go out together, people are like, are you sisters? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. And let's face it. She could kind of bone up on not dressing so slutty. I, <laughs> I've tried to have these conversations with her, but she says hoes don't get cold. So <laughs> I just have to, I have to accept her for who she is. <laughs> but seriously, he would check the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. He'd check the house. That is so, wild. Um, but then, you know, so you have that as you're growing up, you have this toxic relationship abusive relationship, then you get into something where, you know, Corey and I obviously have done our own work throughout our mm -hmm. relationship, um, mm -hmm. which will be, we'll be married 10 years next year. Um, but I also had to reflect on my environment. So I worked in marketing, mm -hmm. I worked at agencies. And one mm -hmm. thing you learn when you start working at agencies is nobody's married, even if mm -hmm. they're married. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, really? 
there's always affairs happening. There's always people sleeping with people that we work with mm-hmm. because they're working crazy hours at work. And so you're around these people and you know, whatever. And like, so I had, I had a, I had a toxic foundation laid for me. Mm-hmm. And then my environment was just like, look, this is what people do. This is mm-hmm. how people act. You mm-hmm. can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. And like, it took, it took a while for me to get to a place where I was like able to accept the fact that I was mm-hmm. the problem, <laughs> but also to be able to like, to be able to have these conversations with Corey and be like, Hey, I'm really feeling, you know, I had this conversation with him a couple months ago, actually, where I was like, I'm feeling really jealous. Mm. And he's like, why? Like, you know, and it's, it's always that with him sweet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. angel that he is. He is um, <laughs> but it's always like that kind of situation. And so I think um, it's important to recognize the things that made you that way. Mm-hmm. And then that it's, that it's a you thing, but mm-hmm. then it's always, it's kind of like how, you know, it, it's, it's your, it's your practices. It's, mm-hmm. it's personal responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. then you get into like the narratives mm-hmm. of like, what are you saying about your partner? What is, mm-hmm. what are you feeling about them? What have you manifested? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start having conversations with them mm-hmm. because they're working with you and you yes. can say, yeah. there's this little part of me that's that's scared and that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Or mm-hmm. there's this little part of me that's doesn't want to share her toys and that, mm-hmm. you know, however that manifests. So I think it's such a good, it's such a good point you raised about how it, it starts delving into the personal work that you mm-hmm. have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look, I, I think it's fair to say that like, no matter how much personal work you do and how good your self-esteem is like, I'm by and large to answer your question earlier, I don't get particularly jealous, even because I look, I know that she's a pretty woman and I know that men are going to look at her men and women alike. And, um, um, that's just kind of part of it. Again, I, I do, I just want to make sure that no one's being creepy. No one's being weird. You get to, you get to get to take a look. If you, if your gaze lingers, you may look up and see me staring at you, which is <laughs> always fun. Um, but I can tell you, you ask like, hey, do I ever get jealous? Cause she's got some good ones. My wife, like I might not get jealous on the daily, but she's brought some real fun ones to the table. Let Ooh, me give okay. you this one. Give me the tea. So, so we were just together really. Like we were, no one really even knew in the bar that we were really together. Cause it's kind of where we were, were all the time we worked there. But it was this bar, as I said, the Yankees came there and various celebrities would come in all of the time. And um, this one time, well, in sync, the band in sync used to come there mm. all the time. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So much so that like Lance Bass was was a groomsman at my one of my best friend's weddings. Oh, my God. Um, I love so they that. were there all the time. They would go and literally play. They would play Madison Square Garden. And then they would come and like dance on the bar of Brother Jimmy's. And so, and work, and work behind the bar with us. And so this one night, Justin Timberlake had taken a fancy to her. And to this day, she's like, this is not true. And it's absolutely fucking true. It's absolutely, <laughs> I was there. I saw it and believe me, I was watching. And so at the end of the night, we're kind of cleaning up and da, 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 they're still there because they like to hang out for after hours. Then they're all going out to a club, all the bartenders, some of the waitresses and in sync. And as they're going out the door, um, uh, Justin Timberlake turns to my then sort of girlfriend, now wife, and says, hey, come with us. Come on. And kind of gives her this little wink. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. And yeah. And I look at her and she looks at me and like, you know, so I have to find some semblance of something. Right. And I'm like, shit, I could feel my my want to be a, 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 you know, an animal in this particular and protect what, but I I couldn't do it because I also, I also wanted to feel chosen. I wanted her to pick me. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the other side. If you take up too much of the space and with your jealousy, you never actually give your partner the opportunity to pick you. Now you also Mm -hmm. are taking the chance that they might not. That's bad information. It's information that you might not want, 
but it's information that you absolutely need. And so that's what I thought to myself. I was like, if she does this, then it tells me who she is. And so that's the way I was able to sort of quell my, my jealousy, even though it was up. And so I just looked at her and I kind of said, well, looks like someone has a choice to make. And I walked away. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> it's a true fucking story. That's such a power move. It's balls, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. Looks like someone's got a choice. And then you could hear my spurs clinking as I walked away. in my brain mm -hmm. chink, 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 yeah. walk, yeah. walking away. Mm -hmm. So what happened? Did she fuck Justin Timberlake? <laughs> Bang the shit out of him. <laughs> I'm not sure if my oldest is actually mine. I, I do notice he has a proclivity for music. <laughs> Makes me a little nervous. after Ashley listens to this. <laughs> yeah, because I got another one in the I got another one in the barrel. Are you ready? Oh my God, hit me. Yeah. So this is the other big jealousy moment. And this is a good one. Although I wouldn't tell two anecdotes in a row. I would I would want to move on to something else, but this is good. So we were we had gotten together and then we were taking this break. We broken up for various reasons that I won't get into and we decided to take a break and, and we were probably broken up for about maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of two weeks ultimately mm -hmm. but within that two weeks don't you know fucking ashley finds herself dating not just some schmo from the bar or some dude right from wall street or whatever the hell you'd find in new york city she's dating a straight up fucking soap opera actor no no yeah. face jock Ugh. gorgeous like i'm i am a man with a staunch record of heterosexuality and even i'm like wow you are Fucking dreamy. God damn it. <laughs> and I'm like green with like, you've got to be shitting me, right? Like this, uh, you had to choose this guy and he's right. awesome. That's and then the I guy. hear from, yeah. That's and I guy. also hear from a friend of a friend. He's really nice. And I'm like, oh, oh. I hate him so much. And I'm so oh. jealous. And um, yeah. And so I, I pulled the same move pretty much out of the bag, which was when we, when I finally like got back in her, in, not in her good graces, but like kind of got back in, in, in her life and said, you know, let's not, let's try this again. And she still had like a date on the books with the guy. Like she was supposed to go to this red carpet event apparently with him, like in some oh like God. daytime Emmy scenario. And oh my like God. Had to, it was like, you know, did she need to look for a dress kind of thing? And right. again, it was sort of like, well, I guess someone's got a choice to make. Yeah. But I don't think I could have actually done that, you know, spur clinking move as we no. like, we're kind of, we're kind of laughing, but like it did take a, a, a high level of, of, um, self-esteem for me to go, this is a choice she has to make on her own. I can't, I can't do this for her. I can't make this choice for her. If I mm -hmm. do, you know, or I conjole her into this or I control her then I'm not getting picked. I'm not getting chosen. And um, I might get the answer I want, but it won't be for the right reasons. And mm -hmm. so I did give her space. Um, the best part, the best part of the end of that story is um, what our listeners may not know is that I did have a stint as an actor for a very long time in New York. Mm -hmm. And I ended up booking a four episode arc on that very same soap opera where oh. I had to stare opposite him for two days where oh, we were justice. trading lines back and forth. And the best part was, now look, I'm not a tall man. You know, I'm like on a good day. I'm five eleven, probably six, two with the hair. Um, and he was, he had, they had to give him like some lifts to essentially, you know, he oh. was, yeah. I was like, okay, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, I I'm rock hard for you. <laughs> Just, those it's are like, like the moments, you know, they are, those are the moments they are. Um, and I'm being a little petty, 
but that's because, you know, like, again, this guy was, he was dreamy. And it well, listen, uh, and, and I love that. Like, I love the point you made about your partner choosing you. And if you're making them choose you, they're mm-hmm. not really choosing you. That's right. That's <laughs> you right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so you can't, and, and that's probably, I mean, maybe that's the answer to the question. That's the line between mm-hmm. good jealousy and toxic jealousy. Are they choosing <laughs> you or are you making mm-hmm. them choose you? Right. Are you controlling? Are you controlling? Are you trying to convince? And again, it's really hard. And this is the thing I tell my clients in the various situations that perhaps these types of things present themselves is you want to be picked and you want to mm-hmm. allow them space to choose you. Because then you know that you're chosen and you know that um, you didn't do anything to try to manipulate that choice. Now, you are, you know, entering into that zone of you might not get the answer that you want. And again, that answer that you think you don't want is actually an answer that you needed. And so as jealous as I was in those moments, I didn't allow the green eye of jealousy to necessarily control me, even though I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Because I also knew um, that pushing her it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have felt right in the long run. And, and to mm-hmm. give her that space to like pick me, it really did in retrospect. And I'm, and I'm telling these stories with great joy um, because of the fact that like she did pick me. Yeah. Um, I didn't know. They didn't have to control her. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I, I love that. And I, I, I love that the universe gave you those moments where oh, it's beautiful in it. <laughs> God. But again, it's not like just some guy at the Napa. It's, it's. Well, or, that's exactly right. Like, yeah. how many guys can say, my wife turned down Justin Timberlake for me? Well, th- a lot of people just look at her and go, and then look at me and go, really? That was your choice? <laughs> this was that, guy? that dude seems like he's got it dialed in. <laughs> this dude, I mean, not so much. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, uh, it's, it's, um, let's talk. I want to talk. I, I do want to talk a little bit about good jealousy and like how good jealousy can be used, mm-hmm. like in a relationship. How, how do you see that sort of manifesting and working in your, in your benefit? Well, you know, I, I think that it, when we notice our partners um, getting noticed, if it's if it's in that physical sort of sexual way or attract like around that attractiveness thing, or see see somebody sort of, it can be it can be a reminder, and that's why I see it sort of playing out with people as mm-hmm. they as they navigate the, the different scenarios that these things might come up. And in a healthy way, we can couples will kind of have a laugh about it. Um, they're able to say, "No, I saw that," and you know, and then it kind of made me feel a little pang of that, but it, it did. It reminded me that this person is an awesome person, an amazing person, someone that mm-hmm. I should be thankful for. It reignites some gratitude, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not taking it too far, um, that I think that it can have that positive effect that it reminds me that, that this person that I have is someone that is desired, desirable, and wanted in the world, not mm-hmm. just by me. And that, you know, maybe I should pay a little more attention to that. Again, I think mm-hmm. sex and sexuality, connectivity, and, and that sort of tension and spark is one of the first things that goes away after the dopamine blast of new love goes away. And mm-hmm. so couples will come running to me looking for, like, what happened? Did I make the right choice? What happened? What do we do? And with that, I say, look, we need the oxytocin swing. We mm-hmm. can create more oxytocin in our brains. Um, by doing things like I talk about in the book, which is to choose each other, to pick each other, mm-hmm. to to reach and stretch for one another. And also noticing things like, oh, yeah, look at that. You know, mm-hmm. she did get looked at in the Whole Foods line or mm-hmm. that uh, it happened just the other day with us. We were, you know, um, walking on the beach and this guy was like, you know, you could see he was like, you know, bowled over by her and mm-hmm. her beauty. And like, I was kind of like, that's right. Yeah. And <laughs> and then I took a second look and I was like, she is hot. Dang. Yeah. Dang. I'm not for it. Yeah, I I I I agree with you that external validation is 
and it can sometimes be a little bit of a kick in the ass. Like, mm-hmm. hey, look mm-hmm. at, hold on, fresh eyes. Take a look at your partner mm-hmm. for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. really fresh eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you, it, it gives you that like nudge to like get out of your complacency and, mm-hmm. and like really reflect on who you somehow landed, you mm-hmm. know, somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because when, when Corey is, uh, flirted with or hit on or something to that effect, I, it, while it does create that jealousy in me and I, I do look at him that way, I also start reflecting on the things that I know about him. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's similar with Ashley where it's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's, he's a good looking dude, but mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. he's generous mm-hmm. and he's kind look and he's that. loving. That's right. And he's all those things that those people they can look and see that Ashley is a fox, but mm-hmm. you know, she's giving and she's, mm-hmm. you know, brilliant and Kind, she's, you know, sweet, same with Corey. Yeah. You know, what, you, what you're and touching so into, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So I feel like what you're touching into is again, something that I talked about in the book, which is narrative, right? And exactly. Um, and, you know, when you hit that sort of pang of, of jealousy, perhaps. And that kind of reminds you of that your partner is uh, someone you are fortunate to be with. It reignites that gratitude. What that does is it, it, cha- it begins to shift and change the narrative. And I think the narrative, the stories that we tell about our partners are so important. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first things that starts to atrophy. And it's one of the last things we look at because it's so hard to look at our thoughts. They come and go so quickly. We don't think they're any big deal. Mm-hmm. But our thoughts become feelings, our feelings become thoughts. And before you know it, we have a belief system about our partner. And again, with with familiarity, we very quickly can get to a boring narrative, a been there, done that kind of narrative. And when, mm-hmm. again, you see it, it's a, it may be a little thing, but when you see someone kind of noticing or being attracted to your partner and you feel that pang of jealousy, it can reignite that narrative work. You start looking and going, oh, just like mm-hmm. you said, they are a, a, attractive, of course, and sexy and all the things, but they're also lovely and sweet and kind and generous. And mm-hmm. man, how lucky am I that I get to be with this person? Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's any better work to do within a relationship than work around the narrative. And it's one of the reasons why it lives actually as a cautionary tale in the book, because mm-hmm. narrative work is not easy. Um, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of mindfulness to ferret it out, but things like little pangs of healthy jealousy can remind you of the narrative you're telling. And is it a good one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, oh, I'm not sure what yeah. happened, but the, the recording just blinked. So I don't know if that means anything, but no, that was um, on my phone. <clears throat> no, it Where's came it? up on my screen, like a little purple thing. Oh, so, okay. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 it's such a good point. Like, and, and I feel like in the practices, narrative mm-hmm. and choosing, I mean, mm-hmm. they're all important, but when you really start getting into the work of your relationship, um, they're such important pillars for mm-hmm. a, a healthy relationship. And they're such an important thing to like, not to do consistently. And that's where it's like you said, when you have those pangs of jealousy, it allows you to pause, reflect and be like, you know, I really haven't thought about the story of, of my partner in a minute. Yeah. You're fucking right. He's great. Like he's really fucking great. Like, <laughs> or, you know, like I'm going to choose to blow him tonight. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're really choosing him in that moment. You know, before we get, before we run out of time, I do want to talk about jealousy outside of romance, because mm-hmm. I think we see a lot of that, especially um, in this day and age when, you know, never before have we seen different, you know, businesses, different um, jobs that we may have, different work that we're doing plastered across all sorts of social media where we can compare ourselves to everyone and mm-hmm. everything else. 
We, uh, you know, everyone's sort of putting out their curb appeals that were on all the different social media platforms saying, look at my life, look at this thing that I'm doing. Social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and all of them have given us this uh, sort of carte blanche to say, hey, look at me now, look at me go. Mm, and Such a good you know, point. Yeah. And I think it sort of, it does. And I would be lying if I, if I, if I said that that didn't ever happen to me, because it has. Has, Absolutely. You, you've experienced the same. Oh my God. Like you, yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I've worked in social media. I've, I've, mm -hmm. I've, I know that like behind the scenes thing that you're trying to capture and it, a lot of it hinges on jealousy. It mm -hmm. hinges on you want to make a group of people, as many people as possible, jealous of the narrative you've created about your life and how great it is right. so that they follow you and then companies will pay you. Like, That's true. it's absolutely That's true. social mm -hmm. media is predicated on jealousy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, right. Yeah. <clears throat> so you see that seeping into other relationships. You know, and I've, I've seen it um, seep into friendships and, mm -hmm. and experienced it. And for me, you know, I've kind of come to the conclusion, at least for me, uh, if the jealousy that friends might have of you or me in this case is not something that they can sort of like, you know, when it's sort of healthy jealousy. They're like, man, that's awesome. I'm so glad for you. I really wish that I, I could do that. Or man, it made me jealous when I saw you do this thing, right? They're sort of naming it, they're sort of saying it, they're pulling the wool back on it and going, yeah, that's, that's a pang of jealousy. Mm -hmm. so that feels really healthy. That feels really okay in my book. Mm -hmm. But when someone's holding on to jealousy, when someone, you know, um, can't really cop to it, um, mm -hmm. I've watched it kind of, you know, manifest in, in not healthy ways and become mm -hmm. almost resentful and have had, I've had friends who finally cop to it and say, you know, why do you get so many cool things? Mm -hmm. And I want to be like, well, because I bust my ass, you know, no one's handed mm -hmm. me anything, but that narrative gets told in their head that. I'm so not lucky. He's so lucky. And I think we could very, very quickly go to that place of bottoming out and letting it sort of bottom out our self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Why does that person get this, but I don't? Yep. Right? Yep. Absolutely. I, I actually, I had a, a, a friend. Um, I have a friend. Uh, he is, you know, one of the kindest people I know. Um, and he he just puts kindness into the world. And because he does that, I firmly believe he has been successful at what he does in, mm -hmm. you know, helping people with their physical training and all this other stuff. But um, he said to me once, I, I, he said something, it was some, I, I, he had gotten something, some kind of whatever. And I was, I think I said, I was like, I'm so jealous of this treadmill that you, you've been able to get. Mm -hmm. And he literally, he like, He's like, Sarah, pause for a second and think about that. You're not happy for me. You're jealous. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy oh. shit, you're right. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't pause to think about, you know, you've achieved this thing. Mm -hmm. I made it about me and what I yes. didn't have. Mm -hmm. um, and it it really changed the way I think about um, responding to my friends when they tell great me something point. great. It's a great and point. I have to be, here's another practice. I have to be super mindful of like, what is the first reaction I have? And if it's to say I'm jealous, that's not the right reaction. It's not like, about them. It's about you. It's not about being happy for them. It's about being sad exactly. for you. Or, yeah. What am I, what's the, exactly. what's the deficiency in me? It's, you know, yeah. I, I know he's a, I know he's a controversial figure, but sometimes controversial figures are pretty smart. Uh, Jordan Peterson said, he said, you know, you, you be careful the people you keep close to you, right? The people mm -hmm. you, you, the people who are your friends are the people that you can tell bad, horrible things to, and, and they'll understand and all that, but your really good friends are the ones you can tell really good things to, and they'll celebrate you. Yeah. And that's I thought such... that's a fair point, right? Yes, absolutely. And and it's interesting enough, like that lesson I learned before I even knew you is one that like changed, I feel like the way you and I have, have 
interacted offline where like I might have felt jealous, but because I did that work and I felt happy, it opened me to the things that you could offer me when I was ready. So for example, like when I said to you, oh, you know, my taxes and you're like, here, I got a guy, you know, and things like that. Like when you start thinking about the other person and the happiness that they're experiencing and the success that they, they're experiencing, it opens a whole world mm-hmm. where you, you, first of all, you feel good, but you can also like learn from them and right. get advice from them. Mm-hmm. And, and it, <clears throat> instead of being resentful of somebody's success, now mm-hmm. you're, you're able to kind of learn how they got there and why they continue to be there and that sort of thing. And that's why like back to the conversation about social media is like, it's not real. (laughs) It's just not real. So like when you feel that jealousy towards somebody in, in your legitimate life, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. think about how their happiness Mm -hmm. can also be a benefit to your happiness you know, mm-hmm. and think about how you can learn from them, learn mm-hmm. that happiness from them. Well, Sarah, and you know, what you're, it. what you're talking about is moving from a deficit perspective to an abundance perspective. Yeah, which absolutely. is huge. You know, and I and I and I I'm constantly talking to my clients about that. You know, very often I see it happening with, and this is this actually this podcast is called Single on Purpose, but so you talk about people being single. Um, and so I deal with a lot of singles trying to find relationships and they'll see people who are getting into them. Their friends are getting married and they're having kids and they feel so behind and they get very, very jealous. And so there is this contraction that happens within the body and within the brain, and within our energy field, when we feel the pangs of jealousy. And so I'll very, very quickly say right now you're entertaining this idea that your friends have something that you are incapable of having. And that's mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. It hasn't mm-hmm. happened for you for various reasons at this particular point. Some of those actually might be yes. good. And we want to shift to your point from this contracted deficit perspective to this place of abundance. And abundance mm-hmm. means, and look, I think competition and living in a capitalistic society is sort of bred within us this idea that there is only one winner and there's a bunch of losers. Right? Mm-hmm. And that... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that there is no second place and all of that. And so that is a contracted deficit perspective. When you think about it, as abundant as this country is, and as abundant as this culture can be, it is a deficit. Why probably why, you know, the richest is the, you know, there's only 1%, uh, mm-hmm. people hold 99% of the money or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, or 90% of the money. It's this, this deficit perspective. And when you come from abundance and you, you slay the beast of jealousy, and open your heart to the field of all possibilities and the fact that there is an abundance of everything in the world. If you choose to see it that way, then Mm -hmm. the person sitting next to you got the thing that you want. That just means that you got a little bit closer. Yeah. So true. Absolutely. Um, And it, and it, it, it can be applied. I mean, like you said, it can be applied across work. It can be applied across your career. It can be applied across your friendships, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and it, 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 it can change the way that you interact with the world at large. Um, I, so listen, we've covered a lot today. I think we have. Uh, we've we've really nailed the topic of jealousy. I think we've really brought some insight and some intrigue and some hilarity, quite frankly. Absolutely. We were still able to be a little inappropriate. As we little. do at Not Your Mama's <laughs> Therapy. And I've been thinking about this tagline. What about therapy for those who don't, who need therapy, but don't want therapy? I, I think that's what our show is really about. I think you're honestly, I think you're onto something. I think you're absolutely right. I love it. it. Okay. Special thank you to John Kim, um, the angry therapist for letting us, uh, hold this space on his channel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
S special thanks to him. Thank you so much for letting us uh, share this space with you. Uh, thank you to the listeners of mm -hmm. um, The Angry Therapist for spending mm -hmm. this time with us. Mm -hmm. um, you can find us at Not Your Mama's Therapy on all podcast channels if you want to come over and listen to us, too. Um, and Let's just say it's, it may be a different vibe over there. It's, listen, yeah, you're going to hear some things. Okay, you're gonna some things you a lot of here. what <laughs> a lot of what we've shared today. You're mm -hmm. gonna hear a lot more of that, a lot right. more of that. And, and and I can guarantee you're probably not gonna be jealous of us. Absolutely not. <laughs> if you want a place where you can feel safe, not being jealous, <laughs> come on over to Not Your Mama's. There. <laughs> I had a great time doing this with you, and I think it was a good topic. Same. And I hope uh, everybody enjoys it. Um, yeah, if you can come on over, check us out uh, at uh, Not yeah. Your Mama's Therapy on any podcast platform. Are you ready to sign up? Exactly. Out? Yeah. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, Please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you can just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, zoom links to private gathers so if you want to join our community go to singleonpurpose.life thank you for listening be well we hope you tell a friend hello everyone my name is ashley diaz i'm so excited to share with you guys the singlehood story the true ups and downs of what it really feels like to go on this solo journey of self-love and self-discovery. I'm 27 years old and personally I have always been the gal that was in a long-term serious relationship. I'm sure so many of you guys are able to relate to that and with that being said my singlehood journey began with me being in a relationship and I decided to be with someone when I told myself I wanted to be single and I told him that from the beginning that I really wanted to go on my journey of being alone for once because I just got out of a relationship with a narcissist. I was dealing with PTSD and for those of you guys that don't know it's a fucking hell of a mental battle but I'm in the recovery stages and there's hope for those of you that are going through that anxiety panic disorder all of it depression you got this <laughs> you're killing it um and eventually i ended up leaving him parting ways and truly keeping my promise of being single and through that journey i discovered that I was holding myself back in ways because I would put my time into the relationship rather than in myself. And I had a lot of time to reflect on that being alone. I became the third wheel in a lot of situations and I learned how to enjoy my own company, which was very interesting and very fulfilling whenever you get to that place. I discovered that I always felt my voice wasn't heard in a relationship and that I had to learn that in my friendships also to open up about my insecurities and really dive deep because the people that really care about you, they're open to listening and they want to know and they want to help you grow and be a better person. So my circle of friends grew smaller <laughs> But they are so strong. They uplifted me in so many ways. At the time of this, 
my mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And yeah, it sounds like I went through hell and back and I, I really did. It was it was one of the hardest times of my life. But, you know, we are all resilient as human beings. We are made to keep fighting. And as hard as it was battling through all of that, I decided to keep on pursuing this self-love journey. And one thing that panic attacks taught me was I needed to take a lot of walks. And now I take mindful walks. I'll take walks in the morning. I go to the gym. Not because I want something shallow, but because it's good for my mental health. And it makes me check in with my body. Doing yoga made me feel very present. And it was able to show me where I was really struggling with trauma. And it really helped me release it also. And it's very beautiful to see where things are stored. And then when you reflect and you have that little aha moment. And you're like, wow, it was from this. This is why I'm feeling this way. All these years, I had no idea why I would do this. And now I know. And an example of that is, personally, I always had the issue of getting into a relationship. And when things went south... I would end up thinking about an ex. I'm always hung up on an ex, or I used to be. Always hung up on an ex, and I couldn't be present in the relationship. So, if anything, my singlehood has taught me how to be a better partner. And one day, I had the aha moment of, well, you're missing the communication in this relationship, and you missed it from the old partner that gave you that. And me going back to the old partner and still feeling the lack of love, I found out, no, this is something I need to focus on with this person. And it's not them. There's nothing wrong with the person in front of me. There's something going on internally that little Ashley wasn't heard from my narcissistic mother. And I know this is a lot, a lot to like unload in these few minutes I'm sharing but it's true and it's it's raw and it's real. I didn't feel heard growing up because I was in an abusive household as well. But I found within that my voice wasn't being heard and I really needed to feel heard in a relationship. And now moving forward, I know that I need to feel heard with everyone. And I started working on my own book and... I have been working on this book for years, but I wanted to stop it. But I remembered, no, I need I need to let my voice be heard. Her voice really wanted to be heard. And if it can help one person, hell, I'm down to do it. So I decided to take a chance and I started writing. And boy, did it feel good. So whatever you're passionate about, whatever that passion is, and you know what it is inside. Don't tell me you don't have a passion. We all know what it is. We're just too scared to voice it. We're too scared to do it. But what's it going to what's it going to do? Like hell, you you'll be scared as hell pushing those boundaries, but it's worth it at the end. It really is. And for me, my specialty is poetry. Hell, I I did an open mic night. I went up there I cried at the end, but I got an applause, and that meant the world to me. The audience being so supportive of me, people telling me, you need to keep doing this. You're so good. Your words are so powerful. That meant so much. So just giving it a little bit of positivity goes so, so far in today's society where we're all on our phones. These pieces of humanity people loving people they're just so beautiful and I'm so grateful for it so the point is take your chances in your singlehood it's not as scary as you think it's so beautiful and don't be afraid to talk with yourself it's quite in enlightening and 
Hell, speak even if your voice shakes. Like I know I can feel mine shaking right now because of so many emotions because I'm still going through the singlehood right now. But it'll be worth it. You might surprise yourself and find that you do have the answers that you're looking for. And knowing that you're strong enough to go after those dreams you want, do those little things during the day that make you feel so happy. For me, it's writing, it's painting, it's watching a romantic comedy, things that I kind of saved to do with a partner. I did it by myself and it was beautiful, a really beautiful thing knowing that you can still feel happy and whole alone and you're not really alone because you have yourself and you're you've been with yourself since you were born you you have been there for yourself through it all so if anyone could be called a best friend or a true love it's yourself because heck we stood by ourselves right <laughs> but i hope this helped someone out there and just lead with love. Thank you. Thanks for listening, you guys.